you said about the mess, because we're planning to have messy church this morning. Amen. <laughs> you know, God spoke to me and said he hates uh, what's crept into the church, this sense of professionalism. Professionalism. You know, everything's got to be like so slick and corporate environment. And he said to me that he hates it. He said to me, people don't want a corporate environment when they come to church. They want family. They need family. They have corporate environments every day in the week. So what they need is family. You see, and church is supposed to be messy. Did you know that? God has got a capacity to make something beautiful out of a mess. It's where there's a mess in a sense. When I talk about a mess, I'm talking about disorganization to the human mind. Right, where things are not so ordered and rigid and so slick and so well presented and blah, blah, blah. Go to the movies rather. Amen. God wants interaction. He wants, in a sense, lives to be changed. And that only happens when there's, I can only describe it as a mess. It's not really a mess, but it's where there's like organized chaos, if you want to call it that. And we want that. We want that here. We don't want every service to follow a certain pattern and Everybody comes there, receives a word, and blah, blah, blah. Well, the word is good, and I'm going to share a short word to help us. But do you understand? It's much more than that. It's involvement, it's engagement. We need to engage as people. When we get to church, we need to engage as people. It's no good coming with your burden and going home with it. Amen? You can if you want to. Nobody forces anybody to do anything. But church is supposed to be a place where we share one another's burdens. We carry one another's burdens. We become the answer in each other's lives. Can you say amen? You cannot look to the man of God, so to speak, the pastor, to do it all. He has a very important role, but that role is more catalyst than the thing itself. I just want to speak this morning on something we've spoken about so many times before. The power of prophecy. The power of prophecy. Let's just read an opening scripture in 1 Corinthians 14. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Let me just tell you, this is the textbook on how the church is supposed to operate, when we gather together specifically. Not the church at large, but when we gather together. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, in the middle is love. Yes, we know that. But this is now the textbook on what's supposed to take place and how it's supposed to work. And we need to follow it closely. Paul has just spoken on love. We all know that wonderful scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, but then he goes on to say, pursue love, all right, we need to pursue the love of one another, the saints, and desire spiritual gifts. You see, in the same breath he said, desire spiritual gifts. And why is it in the same breath? Because you see, spiritual gifts, if we understand it correctly, is an expression of God's love for us. Amen? It's how God gets the love to us and through us. Can you all just say amen? You see, so it's not, oh, well, our church, we've got such a lot of love, but we don't bother about the spiritual gifts. Or we're so very involved with the spiritual gifts. You can't have them separately. It doesn't make sense. They're supposed to work together. Amen? So you see, we've got to make sure that we love one another, yes, but we've got to express that love. That's when we talk about messy church. It's not all in a box. Janet and I have been to a big church. We're sitting there. I turned around and I said to her, if we hadn't come, nobody would have known. If we weren't here, it would have made no difference to anybody's life. Amen? That's not how it's supposed to be. No, no, not at all. 
And let me tell you, that's the easy way out. We go to a church where if you're not there, you can be on the golf course and nobody will know. <laughs> Very comfortable, isn't it? However, when it comes to real being in church, people know you, they miss you, they see you, they love you. We communicate. Amen. But here we go with the spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Do you see that? But especially that you might prophesy. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to one another. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Notice all. All. See that word all? Just underline or circle it, all. He wants everybody to be involved with this business. Amen. Not just a select few. I can't say that enough. On my tombstone, God forbid, he tried to get everybody to operate in their gifts. <laughs> he tried. I mean, he made a bold effort to do it. Failed very often, but he tried. I mean, he tried. He tried. Because he realized just how important it was. It's the DNA of the New Testament church. Without it, the church becomes an institution, a dead institution. He tried. He's going to try again today. Hallelujah. And he's never going to give up trying until he loses his breath. Dear God, hallelujah, bless me. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For notice something, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Do you see that? God's heart is the church. Can you all say amen? amen? His bride, as Barry was so beautifully putting it this morning, his bride, he wants to come and he wants to take us away. He wants to, as it were, ravish us. But we have to be ready. And he gave us these gifts to what? Make ourselves ready. Edification. We all need to be constantly edified. Me as much as anybody else. Can you all just give me a nice hearty amen? Amen. Thank you. All right. So you see, this prophecy is important. Why? Why prophecy? Why is it so important? Let's flip to a scripture in Revelation that I often use for this whole purpose. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. I'm just going to read verse 10 here. Yeah, John the Revelator, whoever he was. If he was the Apostle John, he was very old. Let me tell you, because this was written a long time later. He was very, very old. And fell at his feet. He has this revelation of this angel, and he falls at the feet, intending to worship. But this angel says, no, don't. See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren, who have the testimony of Yeshua. Worship God, for the testimony of Yeshua is the spirit of prophecy. Do you see that? The testimony of the Lord is the spirit of prophecy. Let me try and explain this as best I can. Not that I fully understand it. But the testimony of the Lord. What is a testimony? Proof of. All right, proof of. When you give a testimony, you're giving proof of what happened at the scene of the crime. Or when you share testimony, in church, you're just showing what God actually did. Proof of what God is doing. 
and I encourage us to give testimonies as much as possible. But you see, what is that which really testifies of him in the church? The spirit of prophecy. All right, the spirit of prophecy. What is the spirit of prophecy? Well, let me just put it very simply, all right? It's important to grasp this. You and I as humans are blessed with a certain facility that no other creature on this earth or in the universe has. The power to speak. We need to have a revelation of the power of your and my words. Okay, it's something that we need to work on all the time. We are made in his image. God created the whole universe by speaking. So words are extremely powerful. The communication of God is extremely powerful. Now we can speak. Right? Every one of us can speak. Okay? We need to know how powerful that speaking ability actually is. But you see, when we speak, we speak to certain individuals, and it's normally us speaking. So when we pray, we are speaking to God. Everybody grasps that. It's quite simple. Or we speak to one another. All right? However, there is a place, and this is the spirit of prophecy, where you and I have the courage, instead of speaking from our own heart, we stand in the place with God and we attempt as best we can to speak what he is saying. Amen. Amen? Amen. Can you see that? It's in a sense, yes, it's us speaking, but we're speaking God's words, not ours. We will speak them in our words, yes, but we're trying to speak what God is saying. Does everybody get this? It's subtly different from just praying to God or speaking to somebody else. Now you might say, well, why do we have to do that? Well, for your information, God can't do it. Did you know that? Well, he can actually. But unfortunately, if he has to speak, if his voice came and he spoke to us now, we hear a massive boom, and we all fall on the floor. <laughs> so if, imagine if that's the only way he could speak to humanity. It'd be boom, boom, boom all over the place, and everybody's scattered on the floor, and God's frustrated. But you see, the heart of God is that he placed man on earth. You have to have a body to operate on this earth. Does that make sense? I mean, as soon as you are separated from your body, you can't operate on this earth. That's the sad part of death. Amen? But as long as we're here, God wants to use us to operate on the earth. You have to have a body to operate in this earth. It's a universal law. That's why God, when he wanted to save the world, what did he have to do? Send a body. Amen? Somebody in a human form. Somebody with a physical body. You know, I've got to grasp how important this physical body actually is. He sent his son. You get it? He had to. He couldn't do it without sending somebody onto the earth physically. So God wants to and has to use people with bodies on the earth. Satan as well, for your information. That's why he wants to get into people. If he can't get into people, he can do nothing. So if humanity wouldn't allow him in, we'd have heaven on earth. And we could banish Satan to a little island with all his hosts. Okay? Can go and visit him and throw peanuts. <laughs> Wouldn't that be lovely? Peace on earth. Amen. But listen, God needs to use you and I. That's really very critical to understand. If you and I are not available, God's hands are tied. Can you believe that? Some people battle to believe that. It says in the Word of God, they made the Word of God of no effect. How do you do that? Hmm? Well, they reduced his word to some myth and legend sort of thing. But you understand, we are so critical to God's plan. I keep saying this, I keep saying this. Remember on my tombstone, he tried. 
And I'm hoping on the other side can be written, he succeeded. Amen? To get the children of God to operate, all right, as we're supposed to. Now, what is prophecy? We need to speak. Okay, now I need to say something. There are different levels of prophecy. Just let's grasp this. You see, I think sometimes we think, if it's a prophecy from God, it's got to change the earth. You understand? Well, the prophets of old did speak down through the ages, and it was world-changing, yes. And sometimes people are raised to that level. But between being raised to that level where you speak and the world changes, there's a starting place. Has everybody got that? I mean, you know, the little boy doesn't say, I'm going to play rugby. Okay, we'll put you in the Springbok team. Does that happen? Thank God for his sake. No, it wouldn't last very long. Amen. You get it. But between playing for the Springboks and playing rugby, you start where you are at school. You don't understand. The same with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Please. We can't have this romantic idea that God comes, gives you the fantastic word and the world changes. We start where we are at. The heart of prophecy is to edify. Does everybody get that? To build up. As long as your heart and my heart is because of love, we want to encourage one another. Guess what? You are now available for God to use. Amen. The only qualification we need to have is that we're available because of the right heart attitude. You get it? The fancy pants who wants to prophesy to make an impression actually messes up every time he opens his mouth. Although he might not think so. You get it? Because prophecy, truly understood, is God wanting to use us to speak to one another, to encourage one another. Has everybody got that? And let me tell you, you see, the heart of it is to reach people where they're at. I mean, exactly where you and I are at. And it's always either encouragement and exhortation or maybe direction, okay? It's simple as that, really. As simple as that. But you see, what it takes is courage for you and I to say, okay, Lord, I'm available. Now let me just be available and try as best I can to hear what you're saying. I mean, that's what it is. And you know, if you have that attitude, and you prepare to step out and get going. This is really important. Get going. It's amazing how God now starts to add. Mm-hmm. Amen? But if you sit and stand or whatever and do nothing, wait for suddenly a bolt from heaven, it's not going to happen. Amen? If I want water to flow from the tap, what have I got to do? Stand by the tap and wait for it to flow. Well, in our case, that does happen. <laughs> It flows all the time. We're trying to get it to stop flowing. I mean, <laughs> we have a plumbing problem. This equipment here is rather aged. But anyway, we're getting there. But the point is, normally you have to switch the tap on. Am I right? And as far as prophecy is concerned, what is the tap? Huh? This tongue. It's the tap. If you don't open it, nothing happens. But you see, once you start... It's amazing how the Spirit of God comes in and we have the testimony of Jesus in our midst, Yeshua in our midst. God wants to speak to his people. Amen. Amen. This bride of his, this fiancé, he wants to talk to her. It would be terrible if he had a boyfriend and didn't want to talk to you. Hmm? Sat there like a mute. <laughs> Wonderful relationship. Pass the tomato sauce. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
How's the weather? Fine. <laughs> you understand? It's got to go beyond that. Are you with me? You've got to hear God, and God wants to spake. That's a religious way of saying speak. Who has he got to use? Turn to somebody and say to them, he's got to use you. He's got to use you. Tell somebody, he's got to use you. He doesn't have any alternative. We can't wait for some person wearing a white cloak to come in and do it for us. We're waiting for the prophet of God, the almighty prophet of God. We had that once in this place. Dear God, this man pitched in in the middle of a lady's Bible study. Oh, my soul. Quite entertaining, actually. But anyway, let's move on from that. It doesn't happen every day. What I'm saying is the mouthpiece for God is already here. In fact, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve of us. Twelve disciples. How's that? Okay, now the mouthpiece has a choice. Amen. The mouthpiece can choose to remain mute. Who's going to lose out? You have no idea how many people are going to lose out, plus the mouthpiece itself. Let me tell you something. This prophecy, we have a light-hearted attitude, but it's very serious. Did you know that? And you see, we've got to learn how to do it. Alec is now going through the rigors of studying engineering. All right? It's hard work, all right? Because one day, maybe he has to build a bridge. And hopefully, dear God, he's learned his lesson. Otherwise, what's going to happen to that bridge? I'm not saying you're going to build a bridge, Alec, but this is an illustration. You might be a civil engineer. If you haven't studied properly, what's going to happen? You get your sums wrong, and people drive over the bridge, and it conks in. What am I saying? We've got to practice. We've got to practice. And like I say, practice is messy business. Church is supposed to be messy business because that's where the real growth takes place. Can you all say amen? It doesn't take place while you and I sit in our little spiritual cocoon waiting for something to happen. Hallelujah. And my God, if the preacher doesn't get it right, here comes lunch and you know, on the menu is what? <laughs> Pass me the terrible sermon, you know, really, dear God. What's happened to him? <laughs> I've had that. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I've had occasions I just couldn't get it right. And I went home very dissatisfied. And I think everybody else went home and had a terrible meal. But anyway, it's not up to me. This is what I'm trying to get at. Does everybody grasp that? It's up to him, but he's got to have people that's available. Now, let me just say, there are different kinds of prophecy. All right? There's big and there's small, basically. What we often operate here in is instantaneous or spontaneous prophecy. Prophecy for the moment. Amen? Do you all understand that? It's like I go to somebody and I prophesy over them. And I just start off and say, God loves you and blah, blah, blah. And then God gives me a, maybe a word of encouragement. However, there's also premeditated prophecy. Let me explain it like this. In the course of the week, God starts to put in your mind a certain word for certain individuals, right? And in a sense, you prepare it. There's place for that. Did you know that? There's place for that. The prophet Ezekiel complains about the prophets of his day, the false prophets, because he compares their prophecy to mortar that hasn't been tempered. 
Do you know what mortar that hasn't been tempered? Cement that hasn't been allowed to set. If you build properly, as anybody's built will tell you, you put the foundation, let the concrete set. If you don't, it's brittle. Like these buildings here. They just throw them up, concrete today, building tomorrow, sell it the next day, and three, four years later, your problem, cracking the wall, your problem. You get it? Mortar has to set. Sometimes God gives you an important prophecy, you're allowed to settle. All right? There's place for this kind of prophecy. We had the pastor's fraternal here. Before that meeting, about two, three weeks before, God gave me two prophecies for two of the couples, three actually. Gave me prophecies. And I just allowed them to do what? Just set. You understand? Just allow the mortar, as it were, to set. You see? When the time came, the right moment came, I said, Lord, if you want me to share these prophecies, those people must come and they must sit in certain places. And it all worked out exactly. I saw it beforehand. I prophesied over them. One of the pastors, actually Alan, Alan what? About five days later, he phoned me. He said, you know what? What you prophesied was perfect confirmation of what God has been working on for the last three or four months behind the scenes. Perfect confirmation. That's prophecy for you, of God. You understand? Prophecy from God. It's almost like sets in stone what has been in the mulling around in the hearts of people. It concretizes, a good word to use again. Can you see it? There's a place for that. But not every prophecy needs to take three weeks to bake. All right? There's small prophecy where you know just words of encouragement for one another when we gather. Does everybody get this? I'm trying to encourage us to mature into the full range of prophecy. You see? It's like Alex Poe. It wasn't written overnight. And now it came out. Okay? Something like that. But you see, I'm encouraging you and I to be praying for one another. And don't be surprised if suddenly God gives you a prophecy for somebody. While you're praying. It's happened to me, as I'm going to demonstrate. But it happens, you see. And that's a time to say, okay, Lord, let me just now formulate this. Let your Holy Spirit just iron out the wrinkles, add what needs to be added. And when the time comes, it all fits together. Boom, you prophesy. Can you see that? We need to encourage that in our midst. Now, just because you know, you've worked it out, so to speak, premeditated, doesn't mean it's not a prophecy. It could be a very powerful prophecy. And I think the big Life-changing prophecies have to be ones that have been matured. What I'm saying is don't rush and prophesy, okay? When it comes to big things that God shows you about other people. I'll share with you this, that Theo Volmerantz, he was with Durban Christian Center. Fred Roberts, yes. Fred Roberts, well-known man of God in South Africa and an apostle. And Theo used to be under him. And the Lord spoke to Theo and said, you need to move up to Johannesburg and start a ministry in the East Rand. Okay? That's what he told him. And what Theo Volmerans did is he went to Fred Roberts and he said, look, you know, God's placed this in my heart. Do you know what Fred Roberts did? Reached into his back pocket, took out a prophecy and said, God told me that three months or six months ago. <laughs> can you see that? That's maturity now. That was maturity. Fred had this prophecy. The opportunity didn't come for him to prophesy it over Theo. He was waiting for God to speak to Theo and Theo to come. 
And you see how comforting that is for somebody who wants to step out in a big venture when apostolic ministry says that's a confirmation. See, that's prophecy for you. That's prophecy for you. It's nothing, shouldn't be anything suddenly new. It's something that is in your heart and it just helps. We need to be responsible of our prophecy because I know ministries, churches, that have seen people come and prophesy over people's lives. They've run out and tried to do it. It's been a complete mess, destroyed their lives. And they said, well, from now on, no prophecy in our church. Can you see the danger of that? You see, what is the problem? The problem is not prophecy. The problem is immaturity and ignorance about how it operates. So we need to be mature people. Just because somebody comes over to you and says, blah, 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 doesn't mean that it's God. Amen? Doesn't mean it. It means you have to just let it work and just, you understand, sort it out. Eat the flesh, spit out the bones, right? And I've had a lot of trash prophecy over me. A lot of trash. According to one prophetess, I was in the spitting range, prophetess, I got baptized again. I'm supposed to be treading the dusty streets of Africa. According to her, now did she get it wrong? I don't know, I don't care. But she said other things that were very good. Are you hearing me? And who knows? Don't scoff at it. Maybe one day, you know, God will say, for your punishment, Graham, you're going to tread the dusty streets of Africa. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. At that stage, it wasn't in my heart. You understand? So it didn't confirm anything in me. The other things that woman said did confirm stuff. So that's what prophecy is supposed to do. Confirm in your heart. Confirm in your heart what's already there. And as it were, make it easy for us to move out with confidence in what God has for us. You all get this picture. I want us to be mature about these things and not be silly. All right? And we're going to give an opportunity now for everybody to prophesy over one another and I'm going to give instructions about it. But before I do that, all right, I want to read a prophecy that I have written for Bronwyn. Can you believe it? Now, I want to just share something about prophecies, all right, of this nature. Because it's for one particular individual, very often, listen to me very carefully, very often when the prophetic spirit operates, you hear it and you know, that's for me. Even though it's not the person. Does everybody get that? I've sat in meetings and somebody's prophesying over somebody and what they were saying, some of it resonated with me. You're allowed to do that. That's the spirit of God. right? Because it's for one person doesn't mean to say others cannot be involved. Amen. The other thing is, this prophecy, all right, doesn't mean that you rush out and do it. Okay? It has to be submitted, in a sense, to our heart and to our people that are covering us. Okay? In which case, it's bronze parents. So, I want us to learn this. Okay? This is really a learning curve. And this prophecy was given to me on Saturday morning, 5.30, a week ago. Amen? Now you might say, well, why does God give you a prophecy for Bron? I don't know. Now you might say, well, why don't you get a prophecy for me? Can't do it. <laughs> do you understand? I can't do it. I really can't. Please, you've got to understand these things. God does what God does. Amen. you understand? And our job is just to follow through. Amen? And who knows? Maybe one day you'll have a prophecy for somebody else. But I've written this out because it's quite an involved prophecy. And I'm going to give this to you, Bronwyn, for you to keep, to read over and to work through. Okay. 
So what I want us to do, I want you to stand here if you don't mind. I want Rolf and Shane to stand behind you. Okay, just put your hands on me. And as I say, I'm going to give you this prophecy afterwards. And you must just ponder it. What did Mary do? She pondered these things in her heart. Amen. She pondered them in her heart. Okay. And we just see, let God work it out. So I'd like you to both put your hands on her. You need to discuss this with your parents. Okay. And they obviously are responsible for you. So they'll be able to help this whole thing. All right. Prophecy for Bronwyn Lewis on the 21st of May, 2022, 5.30 a.m. Okay. Now we can all please receive this. Okay. Praise be to God. I'm not always up that early, trust me, but it just happened to be this way. Okay. You will become a fine teacher one day. Help me, Lord. For I, the Lord, have placed in your heart a great love for young people. And they, in turn, will love you dearly. I've also placed within you a great gift, the ability to see and to bring forth treasure out of those, both young and old, in whom no treasure seems to be found. You will have a unique ability to help those who appear to be weak to become strong. And those who appear to be strong to reach their full potential in humility and grace. You will revolutionize the entire teaching system in this land. And your influence will be felt both far and wide abroad. You'll be an inspiration to your generation and to the generations that are to follow. All this you will accomplish as you put your trust in me and live your life from day to day in obedience to my word. Do these things and great will be your happiness, and many and fruitful will be your days on this earth. Great will be your destiny, and great will be your reward one day in heaven. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. May these things be so.